We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much. Blah, 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 blah. You, you know the routine by now. It is casual Friday. That means, as always, I am joined by Maintenance Day Podcast host, uh, noted hockey substat creator, my good friend, Joe Yurden. What's going on, Joe? We talked for maybe 20 seconds, literally. <laughs> Usually, when Joe and I connect on Thursdays, we shoot the shit for a good 10, 15 minutes, and we start rolling. I, I'm mm-hmm. really annoyed about how there's nothing to do with you, but, but stuff. I'm ready to jump right in, man. How you doing, though? How you feeling? Uh, how's the shoulder doing? You're it's, on video uh, this week? Yeah. You don't, ma- you don't look maimed. Yeah. yeah. No, last week, last week I was not very uh, pleased with how I appeared. Uh, just because uh, I didn't have my post-shoulder sol- sh- uh, surgery shirt that I mm-hmm. found on Amazon, which I guess it's the only place you can find crap like that. But um but I got one of those. It makes it a little easier and less stupid to wear shirts, I guess, because I don't think anybody needs to see me like either, you know, half open shirt or no shirt at all on video. Like I can confirm for you. Nobody needs to see that. But uh, but no, the, the everything's everything's pretty good, which feels weird because uh, I got done using the hardcore pain pills uh, this past Sunday. And it was like a week worth of that. And now it's, now I'm done with those. And I was like, okay, let's see how we feel after that. Feel great. You like, look good. You yeah, feel better? I, I, I do. I, I, I do feel better. And it's, it's, I don't know. It's because I, I didn't know what to expect going into this. So I don't know if I was going to be like in major pain for weeks and weeks and weeks or what, but, um, but the serious pain is gone now, which is crazy. And the, the, the only, only negative, I guess it's a negative side effect is that, is that now my body's in full control of like trying to repair itself, uh, which means I fall asleep constantly now, which drives me crazy because I am not a nap person by any by any stretch of means. Like I hate right. napping. Now it happens constantly, and I friend threw out a really great point in saying like, "Well, is it is it the post surgery thing or the fact that you're getting older?" And I was like, ah, "You got me." Because <laughs> I don't know for sure, but I all I know is that I was not a na- I was not a fall asleep randomly person before this. Right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna attribute it to my body just kicking kicking its own ass, saying like, <laughs> "All right, let's let's get this healed up so we get this stupid sling off." <laughs> I got all right. So we're gonna talk bills today. We're gonna talk some sabers. Kind of want to go over 
some of the big trades that Kevin Adams made a year ago, because now some more names are in the focus. You could probably have a little bit of a better opinion on that. Training camp's coming up with the Bills. A couple other topics I want to get into. Our starting five this week, we're going to do uh, best rom-coms, our favorite rom-coms, romantic comedies. For that, though, so literally just before we're recording, Kyler Murray signed a big five-year, like $230 million extension, mm-hmm. like $160 million guaranteed, something like that. I, I want to say this. Good for him, first of all. Right place, right time. This is the way football's going, quarterbacks are going. He, he's coming up for a contract at the right time. All that said, and I think Kyler Murray's a good quarterback. I think he's a more than just a good quarterback. He's a pretty goddamn good quarterback. Mm-hmm. That said, I just spent literally the last 15, 20 minutes before uh, we got together and started taping this, arguing with Joe Buffalo wins on Twitter. I mean, imagine that shit. And then uh, Weird. But Bree and Bree, Bree 88. Good, they're mm-hmm. both, uh, look, they're both good friends of mine and, and we bicker all the time and it's fun on Twitter. But it's like, People are saying he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, all right? And my stance is that he's not. Now, I'm not going to ask you if he, you think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. This was my argument because they kind of agreed with me. I said right off the top of my head, right now, not in the future years, but right now, right off the top of my head, you got Tom Brady, you got Aaron Rodgers, you got uh, Josh Allen, you got Patrick Mahomes. That's four quarterbacks right there without, without even having to think. Lamar Jackson, too. Let's make that five. Five quarterbacks, you don't even have to think. Um, not many people would say that uh, Justin Herbert and Joey Burrow probably aren't better than Kyler Murray, too. That's seven right there. I'm not even going to count Deshaun Watson on the field anyway. Talent-wise, he's a top-five quarterback. That's eight. Russ Wilson, that's nine. Okay, so you're getting into he's somewhere around nine to 10, 11 quarterback territory, right, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. To me, I don't know, Joe, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I am wrong. I'm wrong all the time. <laughs> but. That's not being one of the best because they keep saying he's they're both Joe and Bree are both saying he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. My take is you're you're somewhere between 9, 10, 11 quarterback in the NFL. You're not one of the best. You're a good quarterback. There's if there's 30 quarterbacks in the NFL, even 32 to me, you're most much closer to being middle of the pack. If you're at, at 10, than you are being one of the best to me. If you say, hey, Joe, you're one of the best podcasters. That means to me, you're one of the best two, three, four, five at the most. You're among the top five podcasters in the game. That would make me say, Joe, you're one of the best. So if you're acknowledging that Kyler Murray's not a top five quarterback and your defense is, well, he's a top 10 quarterback, to me, that doesn't make you one of the best. Maybe I'm wrong, though. Do you agree with that or do you say top 10 is still among the best? I don't agree with that. To me, that just means you're in the top third of the NFL. You're in the top 33%. 33% to me, doesn't equate to best, just like with sports. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame should be the best of the best, not Hall of Very Good. And to me, that's what Kyler Murray is. He's the, he's the Hall of Very Good. He ain't a Hall of Fame. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, I, and I'm i with you for the most part. I, I I love a lot of Murray's athleticism. I love a lot of the way he plays the game. Sure. Uh, I love that he can elevate the Cardinals to, to, a, to a higher degree because they, they certainly are better with him. Um, there's no doubt about that. But... Um, I, I do disagree with you about the, you know, if you're top 10, like right now, if you're just the top 10 guy in the league right now, top uh, 10 quarterback, top 10 quarterback. That's what I mean. Yeah. Um, that should make you part of a playoff team, right? Like that, you know, cause there's what 16 teams make the playoffs or whatever. 12 teams make the playoffs. I forget. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, it's, uh, it's, I forget. It's, I, I, I yeah, forget how 14, many it is. 14, 14, 14, 14. That's okay. So, so if you're top 10, ideally your team's a playoff team 
you're a top 10 quarterback, your team's a playoff team because you're that good. You can elevate, you know, it's a quarterback league and you should be able to elevate your team to a level that gets your team into the postseason. Um, I would argue that it could mean that it makes you an elite because you can't, that means you're in a position to be able to go to the Super Bowl. You can win the Super Bowl. Um, ideally, the quarterbacks higher than you on the list should probably get you there better, faster, be able to win. Um, but I, I don't know, man. It's, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't, I can't get mad about paying a quarterback. Like, cause it's just, it's going to happen. People got so pissed about the yeah. Stafford contract when the Lions signed him for that. And they're just like, that guy doesn't deserve it. I was like, well, he's a quarterback. And I forgot like, yeah, about Matt Stafford. Right. Like there's a guy you didn't even have in your top 10, just literally won a Super Bowl. So. Kyle Murray's not a top 10 quarterback. <laughs> you want to push him down another spot. He's not a top 10 quarterback. Right. So, I, so, I mean, like, that's the thing, but like, you know, Stafford signed that deal. People were just like, lines can't pay him that money. It's like, well, yeah, they can, because he's their quarterback. And they're like, well, he's not even that good. And I go, okay, well, if they cut him, who are they signing? Who's the guy replacing him? Like, uh, yeah, exactly. So you, if now there was, you know, with Murray kind of stirring it up this year, if he left, who were the, who are the Cardinals going to fill his shoes with? Oh, I agree. I'm you know, so I, I, I mean, too. right. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, um, I don't know. I, to me, he's he's high mid pack, you know, top fifteen. I think if you ranked him between ten and fifteen, I think you're fine. I think if you go lower than that, you're then probably you're just be, you're just probably being a, a not being a hater. I would even say anything more than ten. He's like, even if you give him ten, ten to eleven, sure. I just I, I guess the the philosophical difference between you and I, and apparently Bree and Joe as well, is <laughs> I don't think being a top ten quarterback makes you one of the best. That means you, you, they can win with him. Now, if I was going to argue and say from a football standpoint, I don't think Kyler Murray is one of the best because Bree's argument, which is a fair one, you know, mm. he asked me, was I sleeping when the Cardinals started out seven and one and he, they were, uh, you know, and, and he was squarely in the MVP conversation. I was like, all right, well, were you sleeping when over the last seven games, Kyler Murray threw a total of seven touchdowns in seven games had five interceptions and that team completely fell off. Now, he was not healthy. Um, DeAndre Hopkins got hurt. So there's, mm-hmm. But listen, there's factors with every team around the league when players sure. get hurt and production falls off. Mm-hmm. So from a football standpoint, I would argue, I still don't think he's one of the best. But that's not even about what, what I think of Kyler Murray's a player. I guess philosophically what I'm saying is I just don't consider a top 10 quarterback, especially if you're near the bottom of that top 10. I just, to me, that doesn't mean you're one of the best. You could win with them. But I don't think he's one of the best. I think Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, bar none. I don't what? think Kyler Murray's one of the best. Well, now see, that's that that's like that's like the the arguments that people would make, saying, uh, I'll, "I'll bring a baseball reference into this." When people were taking a dump on Tim Raines for the Hall of Fame, and they were just like, "Ah, well, uh, he wasn't as good as Ricky Henderson." It's like Ricky Henderson was literally the greatest leadoff hitter of all sure. time. Like, oh, Tim Raines wasn't as good as Ricky. <laughs> oh, no. Nobody else was, though. Like, Josh Allen, who's who's better than him? Pat Mahomes and Brady, maybe? Like, Aaron Rodgers, maybe? Like, there's three or four other guys, tops. So but They're the best, all of them, which I really right. prefer. They're the right. best. I, I don't know. I, I guess it's where, like, this argument kind of it kind of loses it for me. If you say, like, well, he's no Aaron Rodgers. Well, of course not. Of course he's not. That, of course he's not that good. Like he hasn't. He hasn't been to a Super Bowl. He hasn't won the Super Bowl. Like, of course he's not. Like you know. I, and that's not to say like you know you can't make the argument with Allen. Say oh he hasn't been to Super Bowl. Like, whatever. Just you, you put up a th- thousands of yards and and hundreds of touchdowns. Like you're good. But man, I, I don't know. I I think I think you're getting 
I think it gets kind of nitpicky when you're just taking guys out of that top 10, the top 15 range and just be, you know putting them against each other and be like, well, you're not as good as this guy. This guy's not as good as this guy. It's like, everybody's got some kind of flaw, man. <laughs> you know, like everybody's got a flaw. You know, Brady's flaws, he's what, 44, 43. Like, okay. Aaron Rodgers' flaw is that he's a doofus. You know, <laughs> and it's like Pat Mahomes' flaw is, I don't know, he plays, he plays hurt constantly and it, it kind of, drags his team down sometimes and Rogers' you know? other flaw too is that he don't play as well in the playoffs as he does in the regular right. season that's kind of becoming a pattern you're right I, I i guess it comes down to this is one of those scenarios where <laughs> it's one of those arguments where no one is going to admit defeat no matter what you're not going to admit defeat i ain't going to admit defeat in this to me a top, if you say someone's a top 10 i'm never going to say that quarterback's one of the best conversely these guys arguing you as well. You're going to say, well, you know what? If it is top 10 to me, that means he is one of the best. Uh, I, I guess it's uh, like, that is standstill. Here's, 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 here's some good perspective. Would you trade out the quarterback in your favorite team for Kyler Murray? Me? Yes. In you? Yes. Me? Hells no. No, of course you won't. Like, but like the, where that conversation gets interesting is with the Vikings. You got a quarterback in a similar position there with Kirk Cousins. You know, yeah, he's kind of in that same Murray. spot. Right. So I like Murray. Right, I, I still think he's one of the best. No, that's, I mean that's fair. To, to <laughs> me, I, I mean, to me, I, I think Russell Wilson's kind of that same category a little bit. I mean, sure. Wilson's been to a Super Bowl. He's won now a Super he Bowl. Is, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wilson right now, like yeah, a different story. So you know, uh, you know, would you take Kyler Murray over Deshaun Watson? Uh, stuff off the field aside. Off the field aside. Yeah. No. Not off the field. Okay. On the field. Well, yeah, that's. I that's take Deshaun Watson. Right now, if I were the Bills and I didn't have Josh Allen and you said, give me Deshaun Watson or give me Kyler Murray, I would take Kyler Murray because of the off-the-field stuff. I'm not going to get over that. Yeah. So on the field, talent-wise, no, Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback. Okay. I, I mean, it's fair. It's fair. It's, no, it's, it's not. I think, that, I think that's correct, too. But, um, you know, it's you, like can't, you can't ignore stuff off the ice. That's, it's that's like off the field, off the ice. Hockey's going through its own shit right now. But. <laughs> Everything is subjective. I always go back to chicken wings with everything in the world, man. It's it's subjective. Mm -hmm. You know what I like might not be what you like. So me saying Kyler Murray's not a top ten quarterback, that's me saying it. There's people who probably think he's a top five quarterback. There's people who think mm -hmm. he's better than Justin Herbert or or Joey Burrow. Yeah, it's fair. It is what it is. I don't know. I just I, I guess I get annoyed about. I just don't think a top ten quarterback is, is should be included as one of the best. It just to me that means he's a good quarterback. That's it. See, more and unless. It reminds, me, it reminds me of what Emmett Smith used to say about opinions. You know, yeah. opinions, opinions are like assholes. Everybody and I'm about. being petty. You know? like, oh, yeah. Hey, listen, you can't be petty in an argument. What are you even doing? In fairness to me, though, Joe, <laughs> who, of course, everyone who listens to this podcast knows Joe. He's on all the time. And Bree was uh, one of the OG, by the way. He's one of the founders of Bill's Mafia. I mean, we mm -hmm. all talk about Dell. I love Dell. But there's actually three people who founded that group. And Bree's one of them, man. I love those guys, man. They're, mm -hmm. they're, they're good buddies of mine. But. They argue just to argue too. Like I feel oh, like yeah. if I said Kyler Murray was a top ten quarterback, they would argue that he wasn't. Just to be able to have a counterpoint and argue with me. You gotta tell me Joe from Queens is, isn't tr it doesn't try to wind you up at every oh, he, every I, possibility. <laughs> you gotta see off. Forget about the podcast. You gotta see the shit he tells me on Facebook sometimes. <laughs> every time I send a tweet to Matt Perino or somebody, if it's complimentary, he accuses me of pandering. I mean, no matter <laughs> no matter what it is, you know Joe well enough to know how, how that goes with me. Well, you, you kiss ass. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Buffalo Bills training camp is actually 
getting ready to get going, man. We're oh finally, God. the off season is coming. What to day a does that actually start? So I know, um, I know when to start bunkering down Sunday, Sunday. Sunday. I, I, I believe Jeez. rookies already have reported. Yeah. Veterans are reporting and it gets going early next week. It might even get going Sunday, but I'll say this. The bills enter training camp right now with the, with the highest expectations that I can remember personally going all the way back since I would say 1991. All right. That was the year um, before that in 1990, they went 13 and three. They, they, they went to the Super Bowl. Um, I thought they were the best team in the NFL. They, uh, they definitely should have won the Super Bowl and they went into 1991 because of that, their record um, losing in a like you know, missed field goal at the end. They were the prohibitive favorites, just like they are now. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you this, man. I um and to their credit, by the way, the Bills in 1991, they did live up to uh the pressure. Oh, yeah. They went 13 and 3 again, back to back years. They destroyed Kansas City in the divisional round of the playoffs. They uh they beat Denver 10 to 7 in the AFC Championship. Then they went on and they got beat by Washington pretty handily in the Super Bowl, which was of course that was their second of four straight Super Bowl losses. But anyway. They yeah, that was the the year, listen, that, year. that was the year Detroit was could have made the Super Bowl. They lost sure. the NFC title game to Washington sure. that year. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's that's the last time they won a playoff game, Pat, was that year. <laughs> 91 was the last time, Pat. Yeah. Well, the Bills Sorry. were the Bills lived up to the pressure and the expectations that year. This year, I, I think it's very similar. And uh so I guess the biggest question going with this team right now is, you know, just can they handle uh, the expectations they did it before. I'm not saying they won't do it again. And it's funny because going into training camp right now, usually there's a couple, you know, red hot roster position, you know, positional battles, whether it's for a starting job or a backup job. To me, right now, the biggest question about going into training camp, I think it's going to be a boring camp if you're doing 53 man roster projections yeah. or depth charts. To me, the most, uh, the biggest question right now, who's going to return kicks and punts? You know, that's a pretty... That's not that big of a debate, though. Like, it I mean, is, it's not, and it doesn't really... Well, I'm not going to say it don't matter, but... I mean, it kind of matters. <laughs> will, a guy, <laughs> will a guy run the kick out of the end zone when he shouldn't? Like, that, like those are the questions. Like, that, that, that's stuff yeah, that can be solved sure. with an off-field test. The like, performance will matter come September and October, whoever it is, you know, they're going to have to go back to Micah High returning punch just because they, you know, yeah. Sean McDermott could trust him to catch the football thinks but Isaiah McKenzie's being, a bum or whatever, you know, like I remember I'm older. So I remember the Bills Super Bowl years and I don't just remember. I mean, I remember them. Well, I was old enough to actually process and remember it fairly well. I was a late teenager then, not quite late, 20 years, late old. teenager, but I remember that. Sound 19, morbid. I, I remember that off season. I remember being obviously heartbroken Mm-hmm. When the Bills lost the Super Bowl, I remember it vividly. I remember you could hear a pin drop in my house when that happened. Just like this year to 13 seconds or past year, it's still stunning and shocking. Mm-hmm. Even more so than how they lost the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl came down to a 47-yard field goal. Although it should have never came down to that, but it did. Right. Point being also, is, maybe get the ball in the middle of the field. I don't know. Just wacky idea. <laughs> I just remember that offseason after the Bills lost their first Super Bowl, everyone picking them to win. And I remember... Marv Levy talking about, you know, being resilient. And then the team came out and, and they achieved everything that they set out, except for, of course, winning the actual Super Bowl. Would you agree that that's probably going with this team right now? The biggest question is just managing the, the lofty expectations that everybody else has, has put on this team because they're rock stars right now in this town. 
mm-hmm. which is something else we haven't seen in many, many years. Yeah. Isn't yeah. it bad, Joe? If, if forget just Josh Allen or Stefan Diggs, everybody knows them. If any, if Dawson Knox is a parent at an autograph signing at Barnes and Noble, it's like, oh my God, we got to go to Barnes and Noble mm-hmm. or someone at a bar. Wasn't like that for a long time. It was like that back in the early 90s with the Bills mm-hmm. when they would show up somewhere. It's like that now. Do you even worry? You can get that with guys that aren't on the team anymore. Stevie Stevie shows up someplace. They're like, oh, man, Stevie's there. We got to go. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah, former Bills are, are, you know, they're fashionable again as well because the team's just good and so many fans are excited about them. But I don't know. Do you tell fans to pump the brakes a little bit or is it like okay to be this excited and have this high of expectations? Because on paper, man, look, this is a very good football team. See, I, I, I'm a bad person to, to ask this question to because I'm very much a person that keeps it buckled down always with my teams. Like, I could be getting super pumped about the Yankees and just be like, yeah, they're going to win. But no, I'm always I'm always waiting for the, the rug to get ripped out from under sure. somehow. Like, that's just the way I've always been. But, like, that's not the fun way to do it. The fun way is just to be like, yeah, no, take it a run. Have fun. Like, just go crazy with it. Be like, yep, we're going to go. We're going to win. We're going to do it. And then... You know, if they let you down, they let you down. But just, I don't know, just hang on for the ride. Like, it's been a long time. It's obviously been a long time since this team's been in that position. So, you know, just freaking enjoy it. You know, like, yeah, expectations stink. But, like, I don't know, if you go into every game going, going oh, geez, how are we going to lose it this week? I don't know. Like, be like 15-1 and one going into the playoffs and just be like, I don't know, man, how are we going to. Jeez, how are we going to get past this, you know, this first. Just, just fretting and worrying all the time. Like. It's easy to be Ow. like that if you're a Buffalo sports fan because so many bad things Well, yeah, so much heartbreak, yeah. never won a championship in either yeah. sport. So it's yeah. kind of like to your point, you are waiting for that shoe to, to you know, yeah, I get it, but pull out, man. I don't know. Life's short, dude. Just just freaking go nuts. You know, Joe's being philosophical here. Yeah, no, man. do the bowling ball shot outside, you know, just I don't I don't care. Get thrown through a table. Who gives a shit? Have fun. Right. You you have a great point enjoying it because it is enjoyable. You're right. Yeah. It's, it it's the whole and point you know, of being a fan. Just I'll, like, just go crazy with it. A lot of people will shit on people who are involved in, you know, the super fandom, like these, these groups, especially yeah. on Twitter, we see it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, these groups, they just love to tell, they, they, they party, they show up to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just talking about Dawson Knox might do a book signing or uh, Deion Dawkins has a, a Cornell tournament and these fans are, are going mm-hmm. all this stuff. Mike Hyde softball game. Yeah, Mike Th- thousands of people game. show up for that. People. Yeah. You know what, Joe? Good for them. They're having yeah. fun. I will I will say this because I will defend to the end of the earth Bill's fans, Bill's mafia, whatever you, you want to call it. I think it's really cool. I personally know people who have developed brotherhoods, sisterhoods, great best friends mm-hmm. from because the only common thing they had, you know, besides Twitter is they were Bill's fans and they would get together at bars and and tailgate at the stadium at certain places and, and go to do certain things. And now mm-hmm. these people are close, man. Yeah. I, I think that's really cool. So football kids serve a bigger purpose than just football. You know, it can change right. kind of your life in a way, you know, who you, who you hang out with, who you spend your time with, what you do, stuff like that. I think it's really cool, man. And I agree with what you said. I just, I wish more people would enjoy it instead of stressing. Yeah. See, I'm not that guy though. I am stressed. I'm like, this team's got to win, man. I'm so freaking and again i'm the bills fan and he's coming you, you out got more years that. invested too i you do know? and i'm not being objective right now because i very much want the bills to win a super bowl and i right. admit that but yeah it's like i like you were talking about i'm waiting for something to happen for that yeah. not to happen because i'm trained like that as a bills fan as a buffalo sports fan for well what's going to happen that we don't win mm-hmm. you know 
It sucks. I hate it. I, yeah. I, I don't like. I don't like being the favorites. That's yeah, basically well, my yeah, long-winded answer. I don't like it. I'd rather. I liked it more when the Bills were on the come up, and now they're there, and they haven't done anything yet to to be there, other than just being really good on paper. Being the favorites and having not won it before is is a really crappy spot to be put in. Haven't not got in there, haven't like right, like there. haven't been there, haven't been there in thirty years, and it's you know now it's like okay, you guys are the favorites to win the Super Bowl. It's like we haven't even won the AFC Championship yet. Like how are we gonna win, how are you gonna win the Super Bowl? Like come on, like, this is crazy. But you know, listen, AFC is gonna be really hard. It's gonna be really really difficult. Like yeah. there, there's zero doubt about that. But like everything else about this team says that they should excel. They should be able to o- overcome all of that. Everything everything points toward this team just like getting through the regular season and saying, all right, all right, we're done with that now. Like we're playoff time. Let's get, let's get really serious about things. Of course, I mean, that's saying that, you know, if division goes the way we think it's going to go where the bills could have it won by like, you know, week 11 or 12 or something like that, then whatever, then you spend the last, you know, you know, six weeks tuning up for the playoffs. Okay, cool. Like helps make the season a little easier to swallow. That's for sure. Like get home field. If you can do whatever you can, you know, win the division, you know, make sure you got a home, at least one home home game out of it and then go from there. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Like, I'm in the, I'm in the, we're, we're both kind of that weird spot, you know, like, you know, me as media, you as like guy arranging media guy doing media, sure. like, you know, we're, we're exposed to a lot more opinions and some of them can be harsher than others. Uh, whereas, you know, where some of like the really hardcore fans can drive us up a wall with, with stuff sometimes, but at like the same point, it's like, yeah, no, we, we get it. We, we, we've been on that side of the fence before. We, we understand it and even allow allow ourselves to be on that side of the fence for, you know, for a different team. So, um, but the fact that like we're in that spot where we, you know, where we do overanalyze, we do worry, we do, you know, we, you know, overthink all this stuff. It kind of takes away from our ability to just kind of shut that part of our brain off and just be like, yep, just going to go out and have fun this weekend. Got to enjoy the game, hope the boys win and then call it a day, you know, just, <laughs> Like that's yeah. th- there's something really wonderful about being able to do that. Like going, th- you know, you go through the emotional roller coaster watching the game, but then once it's over, just being like, ah, ah, wait, they gave it their best, or oh boy, they really stunk, or man, they really kicked the ass, or oh, I'm really glad they came through. Like just being able to just kind of like ride that happy in between space where it's not you're neither too high where you want to get punched, where you want to, you know, somebody's going to want to punch you in the face, or you're too low where your own friends want to punch you in the face for being too right. Sad. You know, like you, you want to be like yeah. that nice middle state where it's like you get down, but like, it doesn't ruin your week. doesn't ruin your month, you know, right. like that's or And you don't want to get too high that, you know, people want to, you know, shove you in front of a bus every time you walk around. Like that's, it's <laughs> the nice, that's, that's like the nice, happy medium I'm trying to achieve in life. But it's hard. It's hard when you're like, when you're dying the wool with teams, like that's a lot of time spent. You're just thinking, you're like, I need this. I, Look, I'll admit this. I, I don't like the fact that the Bills are the favorites. That concerns me and it scares me a little bit. But I will say this. They do deserve it. Being that they deserve to be the favorites right now because I do think on paper they have the most complete team in the NFL. I do not think there is a weakness. And one thing to watch for at training camp, although you're not going to see a lot of it in camp, it's going to have to go into the season. But I am excited about Von Miller being here. And I don't think Vaughn Miller is going to be the Hall of First Ballot Hall of Fame player caliber-wise that he was in the past because he is getting up there. But I still think he's going to be good. But more important than that, what I love about Vaughn Miller being here is I think he's going to be a great influence to the younger defensive lineman on this team in the locker room and in practice. But also, he's going to command a lot of attention. And 
that's going to give guys like, uh, and I'm talking about on the field, and you know, mm-hmm. he gets plenty of attention off the field, which is pretty cool if you like the Bills being, you know, on TMZ and, you know, stuff like that. But I'm talking about on the field, actually on the field for football. He's going to get a lot of attention. He's going to get tight ends chipping him. He's going to get running backs coming mm-hmm. to block him. He's going to get double team because he's freaking Von Miller. That is going to uh, allow tons of opportunities for guys like Greg Rizzo and Boogie Basham and Ed Oliver mm-hmm. and these other defensive linemen to really shine because they're going to get a lot less attention. They're going to get a lot more one-on-ones. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like Ed Oliver, who I think is already very good, become great this year. And Greg Rizzo with five sacks as a rookie, I could see him doing much more this year. In part because I think Vaughn Miller is going to make this line better. And I bring that up because I think there was one part of this Bills um, roster that was not good enough. And that was the defensive line. They did not get after Patrick Mahomes enough or they didn't finish, if nothing else. I mean, they might have gave him some pressure, but they weren't finishing. Too many times last year against teams, quarterbacks were a little more, they were a little too comfortable with the Bills pass rush. I think Vaughn Miller changes that. You know, so that's what I'm most excited about. That's why I think the Bills do 100% deserve uh, to be the favorites right now. Yeah. And, you know, you, you mentioned Von Miller to me and like the a name that kind of jumped out for me, because I was trying to think of like who, who from my past does, does he kind of remind me of and like that, you know, he's kind of, he's hopped around with some teams. He's, you know, he's been sick. Well, he hasn't really hopped around. He's been with Denver and uh, the Rams. The Rams, Yeah. Um, but like his career kind of reminds me a little bit of like a guy like Wilbur Marshall. Uh, where every team that he was on was really good, and he you mean was a linebacker, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bears, yeah, play, play for the Bears, played for Washington. Um, kind of hopped around his last last few seasons, but like he was always on really good teams, like really, really good teams, and like defenses that really kicked ass. So, I if if he can be a guy in that sort of you know that that kind of frame of mind like you know i mean his i mean like marshall's stats weren't always like eye popping like he made some pro bowls and whatever but um but I, I don't know that that's like the guy that comes to mind for me like right away with a guy like von miller now von miller's a better player than Wilbur marshall ever was sure, sure um but like at this point like at this point in his career like he's you know he's what you know mid early mid 30s whatever um, i think he's 32 right now yeah 32 so yeah so i mean a couple of years you know like you're you know listen it, he, he's getting towards he's getting close to the end yeah but he's obviously still really good so just ride it till it's right until he's good really yeah. i mean it's fine he'll be all right man he might not he, i don't think he's gonna put up the numbers he did in the past but you know what he, he doesn't necessarily need to just right. his, his presence out there is gonna help other guys and then when it's money time when you need that big fourth quarter sack in the, in the first round of the playoffs or you know a regular season game to maybe clinch home field that's what Vaughn Miller historically has always done. He's made, he's played his best and made the biggest plays at the biggest times. I mean, he's literally a Super Bowl MVP. And he wants to be the first player in the history of the NFL to win a, a Super Bowl playing for three teams. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's tons of motivation there. It, it's going to be fun. And like I said, camp's actually going to be started. So by the time we start, you know, by the time we take next week, there'll actually be a little, maybe a little bit of uh, Bill's football news to uh, talk about. Let, let's do this. Let's take a real quick break. And then I'm going to come back on the other side and uh, I want to talk Sabres. We're going to go over a couple of trades, uh, big trades that they made and kind of look at what they got now. And then I'll get a, a take from you on that. So be right back, folks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, I'm back with Joe Yurden. I, I got a couple things that I want to get to besides the Sabres, but I, I, I was, I saw a tweet. I, I think it might have been either it was Joe Marino or, or Joe DBS. I can't remember to be honest with you, but they pretty much were not analyzing, but listing the trades. What the Sabres ultimately ended up getting for Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhart, and Rasmus Rissolainen. Mm-hmm. I, I want to run these past for everyone uh, watching or listening, and then I want to get a take from Joe on what he thinks about these trades. On the surface, it looks like. You know, Kevin Adams has done pretty good work so far. Um, of course, Jack Eichel's the big one. So they dealt Jack and a 2023rd third, and they got Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, the 2022 first, which they did use on Noah Oslin, and they still got a second rounder coming next year. So Tuck, Krebs, Oslin, and a future second for Eichel and a future third. Sam Reinhart, they traded to uh, Florida, and they ended up with Devin Levi. And a 2022 first, which they use this year on uh, Yuri Kulik. And then uh, Rasmus Rissolainen, um, last year's first rounder. Is it, I always pronounce his name wrong. Isaac Rosen? Rosine. Rosine, that's what it yes. is. I was giving. Isaac Rosine. I always look at Josh Rosen, the quarterback, because it's spelled the <laughs> same way. Anyway, okay, so they got Isaac Rosine and uh, a 2023 second, which they haven't used yet, and Robert Hag. You played last year. And then they got a 2022 six, which they use on uh, Gustav Carlson this year. So basically, Risto for Rosine in a second next year. We'll get rid of, of Hag. Mm-hmm. Ryan R for Levi and Kulik. And then Eichel for Tuck, Krebs, Oslin, and a 2023 second. Again, it's too early to tell because a lot of these guys are still prospects. But on paper, that looks pretty good to you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's... It, it like that, that the return on those things, like it's so future dependent, right? Like that's, that's, sure. that's the main thing. Like you're, you're just, um, yeah, you're just, you're just waiting for, to see how these guys develop or, you know, what those guys can turn into if you trade them for bigger pieces, you know, like that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of the spot that they're in. Like they, yes, they've, they've refilled the, the miners with it. 
Uh, they refilled their prospect pipeline. I can't say the minors because you know some of these guys are still playing junior or college or whatever. But um, but they really they, they've refilled the pipeline with that, which is which is good. Um, but it, you know it, it, it that's the tough part with hockey trades is that you can't always just like stamp a, a grade on it right away or say like who won it or who lost it right away, unless it's you know it's an immediate like player for player. You know, guys that are in the NHL or is it more like baseball trades when you prospect kinda, prospects? Kind of, sort of, yeah. Like it's it's a little bit like that, um, where you kind of kind of wait it out to see how some of those guys turn out because that's, I mean, you know, certainly in the Sabres case, you, you got to wait to see how some of those, you know, like how how these picks turn out or you know where these guys go or, or how far they go or whatever because you know that that was the whole reason you you sent those guys out was for futures, so. Um, you know, so, you know, the only one I'd say that they've already won, uh, is the Ristolina trade just because taking him out of Buffalo and taking him out of your starting lineup for 20 to 25 minutes a night, uh, immediately made their defense a little bit better. Oh yeah. Maybe a, maybe a lot better. Uh, just because, you know, re, you know, Risto for all his physicality and, and everything that he does there kind of took away from, or kind of added to reasons why he, it was good for them to move on from him. So uh, that that's the only trade I'm really comfortable with saying like, yep, they won that one. I know everybody wants to, to say like, oh, they won the Eichel trade. It's like, well, let's let's wait and see on that one. Like, you know, obviously getting Tuck is a huge win. Getting Krebs is a huge win. But, you know, if Jack wins an MVP next season or, you know, wins the Art Ross or something, you know, wins the Richard Trophy or something like that, then it's like, all right, well, Vegas got what they wanted. So that that's, you know, good for them. But. Could still be a win-win, though, maybe. Oh, yeah. It could definitely be a win-win. It doesn't have to be a win-lose. I mean, a lot of trades end up lose-lose, you know? Sure. <laughs> Zach Cassian for Cody Hodson. That's a lose-lose trade. Like, no, nobody won that trade. So It feels uh, like Tuck and Krebs make it a pretty good trade for Buffalo already. Oh, yeah. And then it's kind of dependent on Oslin. If Oslin comes on and eventually becomes a good NHL player, then it feels like this is a really good trade. Yeah. If he turns out to be, eh, then it doesn't I mean, feel quite as good. You can you can make the argument too that with the Eichel trade that by by sending him out of town it was a, it was a net positive anyways because the the relationship was so fractured and broken and that sure. things were very toxic at that point sure. between Eichel and the team and um, I know everybody wants to say the locker room too but you know, players you know, unless unless Jack was taking dumps in their skates like the players don't really care. It's I'll business. tell you, I'm glad you brought that up, Joe. I believe that to an extent now. Not not you know. Not to the extent how fans and people on Twitter might make it seem like Jack felt about the Sabres or other players felt about him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. When he came back, when he came back to Buffalo in, in, in the interview after the game, that combined with, I don't know, just it seemed like the attitude changed when he left. And I was a big Jack defender. You remember mm-hmm. last year on the oh, podcast yeah. how many times I did? Mm-hmm. I do think there's some validity that, as talented as he is, maybe addition by subtraction by getting him out of here. And for whatever reason, if he didn't want to be here, he was disgruntled with management, the team itself. I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, he was not happy. It seemed mm-hmm. in Buffalo that maybe getting him out of here and whatever attitude he carried with him, that alone was kind of a net positive for the, for the Sabres as talented yeah. as he is. And he's one of the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's, I mean, that's a big thing. I mean, think about what the timeline was, you know, after, that we learned after the fact. Mm-hmm. obviously uh was after that last full season with ralph you know jack wanted out jack you know jack went to adams you know after adams fired bottrell and uh you know they swept out everybody they cleaned out they cleaned house jack was like listen i see where this is going i don't want to hang out for this 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 is bad um and adams you know was new to the job and he just had to fire like 20 whatever people and 
um, start looking for you know new coaches and 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 all that stuff. So he you know his his DACA was already full. And Jack comes to him and says, "Listen, I I ain't hanging around for this. This this sucks. Like I I can see you're already starting to rebuild again. This is like the second time already while I've been here. Like we I right. no I ain't got the time for that. Like you, you guys have already pissed away six seven years of my career. It's time it's time time time's got to change here. And Adams was like. Listen, we'll try. We'll try to get this figured out for you. You know, we'll we'll do what we can, uh, but we'll look for a deal. We'll look. You know, we'll you know we'll keep our eyes. We'll keep our ears open. Keep our eyes open and 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 listen and look for for what's out there. But we're we're not actively going to try to move you because uh, we got to see. You know, we got to see what we can figure out here. Um, Jack's like, okay, yeah, whatever. I'm along for the ride. And then you know they go out and I don't I don't know. I think Terry twisted Kevin's arm into getting Taylor Hall. Because I think that was, I think that was a move they wanted to make, or maybe Jack wanted them to make a couple of years before. Uh, was like, hey, listen, man, we need a guy. We, let's let's go get Taylor Hall in here. And then they didn't make that move. And then you know Taylor Hall becomes available again, and it's kind of like, hey, let's make up for that mistake we made last time. Make Jack really happy and get Taylor Hall in here. And then everything they did that offseason backfired on them horrendously. So it, 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 you can just chalk that all up to just being like, all right, this ain't gonna work. This ain't gonna work for anybody anymore ever again so you know it was you know time was up for sam time was up for jack time was up for you know risto was you know, risto been asking for a trade for like the last two or right. three off seasons and they were just kind of like all right man whatever you're still coming back it's fine but um but yeah like you get to that point sometimes where it's it's just it's done like you just got to move past it and if you try to hang on to it things can get so much worse things can get so much worse so and so much faster uh so that's why you know the fact that he asked for a trade the year before, you know, the neck injury even happens and all that stuff, like, you know, it, it makes, it makes all the stories check out in the end, yeah. obviously, because, you know, because why would the team agree to a surgery, you know, risky, you know, risky surgery granted, you know, wasn't, didn't turn out to be very risky uh, in, in the end, but like the team was like, dude, you asked for a trade last year. We're not hooking you up with this crazy surgery. We're just not doing that. Right. You know, like, <laughs> like that's what it came down to. So, you know, that, that's what you know all the pr you know reaching for the stars that happened before that where it's like oh man poor jackie's getting screwed by the team it's like well, no he told the team he wanted out so the team's just like dude we're like yeah we know it sucks your next your neck's broken or you got a bad neck or whatever but you want this crazy ass surgery dude we're not doing that like <laughs> sorry man if you we, we can find you a team that'll do it for you but like we ain't doing that sorry one of the the points that you make and i think it's an excellent point as well is when you're evaluating these trades, it's not necessarily even so much about like on the ice for those 60 minutes per game if they're working out. It's other factors as well. Like with um, Sam Reiner, for an example. Now, mm -hmm. Devin Levi very well might become the Sabres' number one goalie in this organization. It certainly appears early on that he's on that track to become that. He's he's, he's going to have every opportunity, that's for sure. Right. And, um, you know, who knows about Yuri Kulik? But regardless, my point was this. Sam Reinhardt, he was never going to, if they didn't trade him and get Devin Levi, was Sam Reinhardt ever going to sign a six, seven year extension and stay with this team? No. Right. No, they, so, they, so blew, no two, they, blew, they blew two other opportunities to do that before. And at that point, Sam just kind of like, dude, you guys can't figure, you guys don't hear your ass from a hole in the ground. He's like, I'm out. Like, So if you're evaluating Kevin Adams, you have to factor that in. Mm -hmm. He has a player in Sam Reinhardt. Did not was not going to stay here long term. He had a player in Jack or Jack Eichel did not want to be here. 
Mm-hmm. So it kind of forces hand to make the trade. So you kind of got to judge that as well when you look at this, these trades and say, yeah. all right, now if you take the process completely out of it, because we don't know what Austin's going to be, we don't know what Kulik's going to be. We don't know what don't any want, of these guys are going to be. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to completely take Devin Levi out of it, though, because I'm, right. I'm pretty confident he's going to become the number one goalie. Rosine, take him completely out of it. Just something the players that got back alone. Tuck, we know Tuck is a good player. Yeah. Uh, Brady, Peyton Krebs is a pretty Seems good pretty player. Good. And, and he might be a lot better in, in the future. Mm-hmm. And I really like Devin Levi. I think now, with plenty of time to evaluate these trades, I actually think Kevin Adams did a pretty damn good job. All things considered. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I look at the the Florida trade. You know, you know they get uh, they get the, you know, the draft pick that gets some Kulik. To me, Kulik is my favorite pick from the draft. Not not because I don't like Savoy and I don't like, you know, uh, I don't like awesome. Austin. Um but I think Kulik was a guy that probably could have gone a bit higher than 28. Probably could have gone. He probably could have gone, you know, between 15 and 20. Maybe I'm not gonna say he could have been a top 15 guy, but pretty close. Going back to that original like quarterback argument, higher. like he was higher than yeah. Oslin on some on some uh, pre-draft rankings that I looked at after the Sabres draft him. So you're right, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, people got spooked by the the points that he put up in in the Czech met, you know, the Czech pro league. Saying like, oh man, this guy doesn't score any points. Like, well, you know, he's 17 playing against guys like Yarmir Yager. Like, <laughs> what, do you, what do you expect? You know, like that, like that's you know, that's gonna happen. But like the dude lit it up against his peers, so be pretty eager. Like, I mean, if if he plays in the Czech Pro League again this year, okay, fine. But I'd rather see him play junior hockey, see what he can do against his peers, because I want to see what that looks like. You know, I, I seen him against men. Like, that's a great way. It's a great way to learn, but like your minutes are going to be kind of hampered sometimes, and you might not get the amount of ice time that you should be getting at that age. Like that's what happened to Rosine. That's why Rosine came over, basically. Um, but evaluating Kulik and evaluating Levi, like getting getting Levi as part of that trade made sense. Like get another goalie, like you need one, and they got a guy who, you know, they you know it's kind of like just buying taking a lottery ticket from a team. Kind of, you know, with goalies, I mean, he was taken in the seventh round. So obviously it's not that, you know, not that high of a thought process there. I'm, you know, I'm thinking, but, um, but then he broke out, you know, he had a great world juniors performance and then suddenly it's like, Oh, credit them for scouting. This guy's a guy maybe. Okay. Um, and you know, you're, you're going from that to like, okay, well maybe, you know, he has, you know, a, a C a college hockey season that we haven't seen since Ryan Miller basically, you know, since he was at Michigan state. Um, and so now like expectations are really high on him. So let's, let's see what happens. If he can put up another like 950, 952 save percentage season, holy smoke, sign him the second their season's over with, as far as I'm concerned, get him in because you got to know, because like it, everything points towards him being, you know, being a really good goalie, but like, you got to know what he looks like against better competition against better players. Cause sometimes you don't know, like, I think I think of Jason Kasdorf. He was a great college goalie at RPI. Super had had a pretty rough injury. Had like red shirt one year, um, but he wasn't the same after the injury. Like he still put up some pretty decent numbers. He was still like above nine hundred by nine ten nine twenty. Still was really good. But the second they got him against pro con- pro competition, couldn't hack it. You know, you've got one start in Buffalo, and then you know it was a rough game. Bad Buffalo team. Whatever. Fine. But like he couldn't, he couldn't get it done at Rochester. He couldn't get it done at Cincinnati. So like, you gotta, you gotta temper expectations with goalies almost all the time. Obviously, the 
the hype on Levi is is it's earned right now. But to to immediately start writing in ink like this guy's going to be our number one goalie in twenty twenty four, I wouldn't do that yet. Right? Do yeah, I, I got to see what he I got to see what he can do against against pros first. I would. I'll tell you, man. When you go through, it's all exciting. These, like, don't get me wrong; it's exciting. Right, right, right. When, but, you go through all, when you go through all these trades, it actually impresses me the most of all the trades, all the players and prospects they got for uh, the guys that they gave up. Their big name players mm-hmm. that might be the most impressive is Devin Levi because they traded for him before he went out and had that crazy season last year. So, some credit to the the Sabers scouting whoever you know evaluated this guy. There, <laughs> the you got, you got honked on that one, Pat. Got honked on that one. Take there, but I, I think that Kevin Adams deserves even more credit for that because he went and traded. Because I remember last year, or so whenever that trade was made, I first saw it was like fucking seriously, Devin, Devin Levi. He wasn't even like this big name prospect. He wasn't like like this highly touted top pick. Oh, no, no he's a seventh rounder. Like so, I was like, I mean, and then I understood because again, like we just talked about, I'm like, well, Sam Reinhardt's not staying in Buffalo. They got to get the best they can. But I wasn't impressed. Now a year later, I'm like, shit, man, the Sabres might have themselves a legitimate, and you're right, temper the expectations for now, but they might have themselves a legitimate, really good long-term number one goalie. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's pretty impressive. I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, the, the, his his numbers before he went to college, like he played in uh, like a Canadian, a Canadian junior, like junior league, not this, you know, major juniors, but, um, but like his numbers there were pretty strong. I mean, considering, you know, I'm looking at him right now. 37 games, like 941 Sabres. That's pretty good. But you know, again, it's you know, against 16 year olds, you know, 15, 16, 17 year olds, like whatever, fine, fine. Like against your peers, like you do that well, that's good. Um, but it was like it was almost like they 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 took a stab on him and you know, getting him thrown into that deal. It's not that he was thrown in, but they were like, no, we got to have him in the deal. Um, but that's based on like that season. And, you know, that because they got him, I think they got him before he, he popped off in World Juniors, I think. Or maybe it was right after. Either way, it was something where you're just kind of like, all right, well, I don't know. Maybe this guy, maybe this guy will play in Rochester someday. Like, I don't know. But now his numbers are like, whoa, wait a minute. Maybe this guy is for real. Like, maybe this, maybe this guy can be for real. But but the thing is, like, you don't know. You don't know for sure. But maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. Who cares? Right. Let's, let's see how it bears out, you know. It'll be fun to track. All right. So. I want to get to a couple of sports viewing topics that I, I caught on Twitter that I wanted to get your take on. And then we'll get to our, our starting five. One of them, is that the fire truck coming again? Yeah. No, the first, <laughs> the first one only gave a honk before the, the rest of the crew. It's a tradition on a, on a podcast <laughs> with Joe Yurden here. Anyway, Bulldog from WGR. He tweeted during the baseball all-star, all-star game the other night. I'm going to mm-hmm. read his tweet. I want to get your answer on this. He, he tweeted this. How much, if at all, have your sports viewing habits changed over the years? MLB All-Star Game used to be a musty event for me, and now I'm barely interested. F1 has replaced NASCAR for me. I love soccer now, and I would have never guessed that would have happened uh, 20 years ago. Do you, As you've gotten older now, I'm not going to call you old, Joe, but <laughs> 43. Have, has your sports viewing <laughs> habits, much like uh, Bulldog described, have they changed? If so, how? Yeah, they've definitely changed. I used to, um, I used to like obsessively watch everything, like constantly NBA, uh, baseball, mm-hmm. football, football Sundays was, you know, whatever games were on, it was like, I was locked in. I'd be watching like the ticker at the bottom 
or waiting for updates from other games more than anything. You, you wait for like you're wait. My, you know, my dad's a Giants fan, so you know, growing up in that house there was a lot of games on CBS. This is, I mean, this back in the day when CBS, the NFC was on on CBS back then. You know, it's Summerall, Madden, those guys, mm-hmm. and you were almost like I was almost excited every time you got to this like. Pat Summerall saying, like, send it to Brent Musburger in New York for this update. And you're getting Musburger giving the update on, like, something that happened with, like, Minnesota, Chicago or something. You're just like, whoa, cool. And, like, you just get fired up seeing, like, other games going on. And I don't know. I was a huge nerd for all that stuff. But um, obviously, you know, you get older. You just don't have the time to just yeah. throw it. Like, you're a kid. You got tons of time. You got time to do anything. The hell else are you going to do? Yeah, right. You know, what else was I going to do when I was a kid except watching Yankees play? You know what right. I mean? Exactly. You know, I mean, granted, you know, in my house, it was still, you know, once baseball started putting games on super late at night, we're talking like 91, 90, 91 around there. Like I'm thinking like the Braves Pirates NLCS, the the Sid Bream slide game. I remember listening to that on the freaking radio, like in bed because I was supposed to be in bed because I'm the kid and, you know, got to go to school in the morning. But it was like, this game's crazy. I gotta like, I gotta keep up with it. So had like a little radio in, in my bedroom and just turned that on, like kept the volume down a little bit. Just so, you know, mom doesn't hear it, you know, popping off there. And I'm just kind of like, Whoa, I can't believe he did it. Like, wow. You know, and like waiting for like the next morning for sports center to see how it, to see what actually happened like that, having that kind of, I don't know, having that kind of childhood makes you like appreciate like everything that happens now way more. Oh yeah, because because yeah, yeah. like because now instead of like listening to a game on you know AM radio coming out of God knows where, because at night the AM signals go further, which is crazy. But but now you can watch the entire whole game from your phone in your bed, and you know stream it and get stats going alongside it and all that stuff. Like it's it's crazy, it's crazy, and I'm sounding like the oldest person on earth. But yeah, um, but I don't watch any of that stuff as religiously anymore. Now it's like schedules that are easier to manage like a football schedule or a soccer, you know, premiership soccer schedule where it's easier to be like, okay, it's one day a week, maybe two where I got to, you know, get geared up, gassed up to watch a game and, you know, maybe go out someplace to watch it or hang out with friends and watch it, do whatever. Like that's it's way easier. It's way more palatable um, sure. to, to do that, to sit around every night. Like I, I can sit around and watch every Yankee game every night if I want to, but like some nights I'm just kind of like, I can't, I can't deal with it tonight. I just, no. I just don't want to watch, you know, I just, and it's not because I don't care. I obviously do care, but like sometimes you just, you're just not in the mood to watch a game. You just want to do something else. Yeah. I agree with you, man. It's kind of the same for me. Um, I watch sports a lot less across the board over the last 10, even five years, except for the NFL. I still watch football as much as the NFL, at least mm-hmm. as much as I ever have. I don't watch baseball nearly as much. I don't watch the Yankees nearly as much. I used to watch boxing religiously, whether it was a big name yeah. fight on a card or, you know, just regular free HBO fights Boy. or pay-per-views or ESPN boxing. I never watch boxing Same. anymore. Uh, Same, I, man. I don't I, care about those ESPN fights, the top rank fights and yeah. all that stuff, man. Jeez. I, I just, I, I miss that. Like that, that level of like, and I know boxing's boxing's a hard ass sport it is. and it's, it's falling out of favor now, but man, oh man, that was, that was so much fun to watch, especially like you get like, you know, cruiserweights or welterweights or whatever, yeah. like these smaller guys that are just never going to be that popular just because the heavyweights always get the glory. I love but watching like, them all, man. Oh man. I think I just think of like that, um, uh, Mickey Ward series with Gotti, Arturo Gotti. Arturo Gotti. Holy God almighty, man. Best I remember watching the, the, ever. 
the first fight of that, I remember watching it and being like, oh my God, this is a war. This is that an absolute round, war. That, that, the ninth round, I think it was the ninth round. It was the best round of boxing I think I've ever seen in my life, man. That whole, that whole, that first fight is one of the greatest fights I've ever watched in my yeah, life. Me too. The whole trilogy, and there's an oh, HBO documentary awesome. on it. It is yeah. absolutely fucking amazing. They even made a movie, The Fighter. Like That's yeah, about that's yeah. about Mickey Ward. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I, I just, I don't watch boxing much anymore. Um. I know this will piss a lot of people off, but I don't, I never liked NASCAR and I never liked soccer and I never liked F1. So to Bulldog's point, I never got into any of those and I still haven't. I only like the big races, Daytona 500, Indy 500. Like that's it. That's all I had had patience for. Give me the highlights on ESPN later on. And, and to your point too, time is the biggest reason. Of course we get older and more things are going on in our lives, Mm -hmm. but also, you know, I will say this too. I think social media has played a little bit of a role in it as well. Like Twitter, for example, like games that, in the past, I would have to watch or I wouldn't know what was going on. Like, say, uh, a Yankees game, though. You know, I, I follow a lot of Yankees accounts. So I feel like I'm on Twitter and I have uh, tweet that going on. So it's instant mm-hmm. live, you know, real-time updates. I'm following the game on Twitter with updates, whoever got hit or the scores and stuff like that. And then meanwhile, I might be doing some show prep or having a conversation with somebody on a, in Messenger or whatever DMs. I kind of feel like I'm multitasking. Yeah. It's kind of so watching a lot of general sports. That's one of the reasons why I don't do as, as much anymore. It's because of social media. But like I said, football is a different story. I still watch football all the time. But yeah, yeah social media and time are uh, a, a big thing. So Social media makes it easier to just kind of like keep the games at a distance too. You know? Yeah. Like you if you follow just follow along with Twitter, it's kind of like, sure. all right, is it going well? Cool. I'm glad yeah. it is. If it's going really well, then it's like, all right, maybe I'll tune in. Maybe I'll you know, see what's honestly, going on. Honestly, Joe, even Saber games. I don't watch yeah, every, I, I watch a lot of Saber games, but I don't watch every Sabres game. Sometimes mm-hmm. I just follow all you guys on Twitter and I, and I follow along for updates and what's going on. And then I might ask a question like who's looking good or whatever. Cause you don't, uh, yeah, there's the fire truck three. Amazing. Three. You don't always get the full story without watching a game. I, I get that, but whatever, it's fine. The other topic that I wanted to get to, and then we're going to get to our starting five year last week, British open tiger woods goes up the 18th fairway. Mm-hmm. Terry eyed, you know, um, St. Andrews historic golf course, monumental golf course. He's won there multiple times. He's up there, Terry I, because he knows that it's probably the last time he's going to play at St. Then he'll come there for another five years. He might not be around playing this tour in five years, the way mm-hmm. he's going. So he, he's Terry eyed and uh, got us thinking a couple moments. What are a couple moments that you can remember sports wise that you watch? They might have gotten you a little bit Terry eyed, whether someone is an adult, something is a kid, whatever it may be. I got a couple. Uh, want me to give you mine while you think? Well, no, no, no. The one stands out to me, and it, it's because I, I just watched the uh, I just watched that. Um, I know what you're gonna say the, the documentary on ESPN with the uh, the Red Wings Avalanche one. Oh, okay. And, and it was it was when it, when the Red Wings beat the Capitals in 1998, mm-hmm. uh, they swept the Caps in four games, and they brought Vladdy Konstantinov, who, who had just been essentially paralyzed after they won in '97, he was in the limo accident. And was just you know injured so horribly, and you know ended ended up being in like a wheelchair and just you know just a shadow of what he was, you know as a player and as as you know and and all that and like the fact that it was a year later they were able to like he was able to be a in Washington for Game Four, be there with the team, and see they brought him on the ice like he you know the the awesome. Stanley Cup pose pictures with you know with Eiserman and Shanahan and. And Konstantinov there, you know, with the cup, you know, right there at center ice. Holy God, man. 
it's it's hard. I mean, it it's hard to it's hard to imagine like that whole calendar of events that happened leading you know from winning the Stanley Cup and then like you know what was it a day two days later having that accident and then everything is just kind of like whoa holy crap Vladdy might die um and then he you know he pulls through he's obviously got seriously injured um and that he was able to be healthy enough to be able to to be there for that is holy smokes man like it it you'd have to be you'd either have to be a, a hardcore avalanche fan or uh, a monster to, to not be like, wow, that's, that's unbelievable. Like, but yeah. seeing it all again, very recently, just, I mean, it brought me right back again. I was yeah. like, Oh my God. And then having, you know, Vladdy, they're asking Vladdy questions. And obviously, you know, he, he, you know, it's, it's tough. It, it's hard for him. Um, but like that old Vladdy spirit's still in there. Like he's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like one of the questions they ask him, like, what do you, Vladdy, what do you think when I, when I say Colorado avalanche and he just goes, beat them? Like, yes, yes, that's right, Vladdy, right. tell them, beat them. Right. Like, it's just, I don't know, like that, that kind of stuff just, I, I think it's more like the real life kind of moments that, that get to me. Like, Tiger going up 18, tears in his eyes. That's, you know, that's a course he's won a ton at. Yeah. You know, he's won the, he's won the open a few times and like he loves St. Andrews. Like, I, it's hard to be a golf person and like think St. Andrews is some crap course. No, man, like that's history. Like that's the invention of golf type. Yeah, course. absolutely, man. And you know, the fact that it hits Tiger that hard, it's like, oh man, he's that. That's when you're just like, oh man, I think he's done. Like yeah. he's just, he just, he, he ain't got the, he ain't got the, 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 you know, the fight Physically. for this anymore. Yeah, right. Like, Physically. I mean, you can barely down, walk. Man. Yeah. It sucks to see too, but I got a couple as well. Um, And I don't cry. Like say the uh, Scott Norwood missing the field goal 13 seconds last year. That's not gonna. I, I'm stunned. I'm you know I'm yeah. dumbfounded that to me it's about the moments itself. Like another Tiger one is when he won the uh, the Masters after losing his dad and he just broke yeah. down crying mm-hmm. with with his caddy. I thought that was really cool. And then you're a Yankees fan, so you can relate to this. I got a couple of Yankees ones as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, I should say, I grew up a huge Yankee, probably a bigger Yankee fan than Buffalo Bills fan, to be honest with you. In wow. recent years, it's kind of faded a mm-hmm. little bit. But Mariano Rivera, his last game ever, when he was pitching, he came in, I think it might have been the eighth inning he was pitching. He didn't close mm-hmm. the game. I know that. But I think they were losing instead of the, the manager coming out to get him, instead of the manager coming out to get him, Jeter, Andy Pettit, uh, and Jorge yeah. Bazada came out to get him. Yeah, that was And then nice. they all hugged him. And then Mariano just broke down and started crying when he was mm-hmm. hugging him. That certainly got to me. Um, and another one, Yankees moment of tears of joy twice, actually involving Jeter. When you said documentary, which by the way, the Red Wings, the Red Wings one is great that you're talking about. Yeah. I did watch that, but Derek Jeter's documentary yeah. just started this past week. First, first episode is fantastic. Yeah, it was. Um, they haven't gotten into this stuff yet, but his 3000 hit being a home run, it didn't make me cry, but that was just unbelievable. But yeah, guy who doesn't hit him, home runs against his 3000 on a, a game winning hit in his last home game in his career, just so yeah. clutch, man. But anyway, that kind of got me a little bit teary eyed. And then you're also a wrestling fan on a much sadder note. The tribute shows when Eddie Guerrero and Owen Hart, both of them, oh, when they God. passed away, yeah. the, the Raws, those Monday nights right after they passed away, I pretty much spent three hours crying nonstop for both those shows, man. That was I got, fucking I mean, hard. Those, those episodes are hard to watch, but like I, the more I think about it, how awful was it to make those guys perform to do all that stuff? Like a date, like in Owen's so case, it was a day later. Like, yeah, 
Yeah, Owen Hart died on a Sunday night at the pay-per-view. Right. That's what I mean. Like they got raw the next night and like all these guys are just trying to mourn and they're like, no nah, man, like here, we're just going to spend the whole show mourning. It felt so Owen. real. It was real. It was, it was real because that's real too. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. But like putting those guys out on TV, just being like, all right, here, pour your heart out. It's just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Man. Like, yeah, those them, were tough. give them a moment. Get, like the, the fact that they had, no, I, I don't want to get going. The, the fact they kept that pay-per-view going, <laughs> you know, w- and watching Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler not know what was going on, but basically assume what was, what had happened, yeah, happened and making them just carry on with the, with the whole show right. is insane. It's yeah. fucking monstrous. I agree. I agree. But yeah, uh, sorry. Like, no, you're right. hundred percent. It was just, it was, it was authentic. It was real. One last one too. Jim Kelly, when he retired, you know, and after the, uh, 96 season, his press conference, he broke down and started crying because he knew he still wanted to play. He just couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And his last game was getting hurt against Jacksonville. That got to me a little bit as well. But, uh, anyway, speaking of getting to me and crying, uh, let's reference <laughs> last week's starting five. We did best nineties movies. All right. So th- the score doesn't sound quite so close. Joe won this poll 53 to 47. And by the way, this is your fifth straight win too. You won, you won five of these in a row now. Nice. Let me recap the picks. Uh, I got to look at my notes here. So Joe took Goodfellas. And this is again, best nineties movies, Goodfellas, Fargo, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, Pulp Fiction, and the Big Lebowski. I took the Shawshank Redemption, Forrest Gump, Dazing and Fuse, Jerry Maguire, and The Lion King. 53-47 is close. I all right. So usually with these polls, what was the total? What was the vote total? Almost I, I a thousand, right around a thousand. Okay. So this was more than just a tiny sample size. Yeah. Typically, we get anywhere from three to seven hundred votes. I would say on our polls weekly. Mm. This one yeah. was a, around a thousand. Um, usually within the first forty-five to sixty minutes, kind of know where the polls going and more often than not oh, it's because they're not, not the close case this time this was not the case i am telling you so we put this out friday at noon saturday early afternoon i was up 50.8 to like 49.2 i had basically had a one point lead mm-hmm. and then you know we both do our retweets and stuff like that and you definitely had that saturday surge which was a whole <laughs> bunch of people who didn't see it friday mm-hmm. and i remember i was like fuck I thought I had this one. I thought the losing streak was coming to an end. Yeah. And then you pulled out, you pulled up and I uh, didn't, didn't give it back. Ended up well, being 53 to 47. I think the people who, people who, people who stopped smoking weed all weekend showed up on Saturday, I think. Yeah. Oh my God. Was I, was, I was losing my mind over it. Cause I was like, what is wrong with everybody? Like, and like, listen, you had a good, you had a good group of movies. Mine were vastly superior. <laughs> I thought so. If you remember, if yeah, you listened yeah, to this you, podcast you, last you, week, you everybody, punted on it, yeah. I did. I I think I set the over under like 70-something percent for you. So my, I was surprised. People like the Shawshank Redemption with my first overall yeah. pick. I got a lot of credit for that. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of a very mixed bag for The Lion King. Some people liked it, and a lot of people did not like it. I, I think that hurt me a little bit. Of, of your five picks, that was the one that was, the, was maybe the least effective. I mean, the one that like people gave you grief for that. I was like, no, 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 no. Like no grief deserved there. Days and confused is the one where it's like, dude, really fucking days and confused. Are you kidding me? People, people like, like it though. Yeah. Which Surprise. blew my fucking mind, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I remember there was a couple of people that, that showed up, uh, like, cause you know, Pat and I always get tagged into the conversations cause you know, I'm, we're sharing the polls. That's what happens. Yeah. It's fun. And 
somebody like buried me about picking by having Fargo and Lebowski in there. Not that because they hate the Coen brothers. It's just, you're just like, ah, those movies stink. And I go, wow. Like they stink. I was like, what makes you say they stink? They're like, well, I haven't watched them. (laughs) Okay. Well, thanks for your jump in. Nice. Great opinion there. That's, that's super. You hate a movie you you haven't watched, man. Like Jesus, this is what, this is and why we, democracy is doomed, Pat. At least it's a step up from normal, though, because what pisses you off the most is when somebody oh, the picks one, one movie. movie yeah. The one flick pick. That's what we call it, the one flick oh pick. You God. pick one thing. And that, you if that happened with this, I would have said, we're not doing polls for two months because <laughs> the movies were too good on both sides to be like, oh, no, yeah, that one movie, that's I it, agree. it's over. I agree. Like, All right, so this week we're going to do best Hopefully it doesn't happen this week. <laughs> we'll see. You're going to be up first because I went with that kind of a – a semi-surprise pick last week with the Shawshank Redemption, but you're going to be up first. And again, this is rom-coms, romantic comedy movies. Mm-hmm. We didn't set a time frame, so it could be from whenever. But I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a spoiler alert. None of my picks movie are like, released in the 90s, 90 yeah, to 99. Yeah, like that's, exactly. That's well, 90 and, and before, anything more recent. I would say at least 90s, because there's a couple of rom-coms wait, that I, I really you, like. Wait, 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 wait. You said what? we're doing 90s rom-coms, right? No, I just said rom-coms. Wait, 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 wait. Let me get in my DMs. Hang on. <laughs> wait a goddamn second here, Pat. Bending the rules. Hang I don't on. think I said 90s. I think oh, I just okay. said Okay, you said best movie rom-coms. Okay. What, wow. Well, that was the recent one. What was the one you said before? I'll tell you this, though. Yeah. Almost every rom-com that I have is no earlier than the 90s. At least it's on my list anyway. But okay, I got some for the attribute, early I'm attribute my ability to not read to drugs. I got, so don't do drugs. I got some early 2000 picks, and I'm going to throw them at you as well. So good. I hope you're yeah, not prepared. I'm glad it's not 90s because the 90s are pretty, kind of weak for a lot yeah. of rom-coms. Well, you got the first <laughs> overall pick, so pick your rom-com. Pick your poison. All right, all right, all right, all right. So, okay, well, this this changes my strategy now, Pat, because I'm, I'm an idiot and can't read. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's like there's like three movies that I definitely want to get, and I don't know if I'm going to get all of them. But I'm going to take the top one, the one that I, that I always think of when it's romantic comedies, uh, and it's it's the it comes to mind almost immediately. Always is when Harry met Sally. Good one, yeah. Because it, and I don't know, maybe that's just showing my age, but like. I remember when that movie came out. I was a kid. It was like, what was it? 80, 86, 87, something like that. So it was like eight years old or whatever. And you're just seeing Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal, like, you know, in the scenes, especially the restaurant scene, you're just kind of like, well, this is really funny. Wow. And then like you, you get a little older, you know, you know, for me, it's like you get to like a teen, teen years and you watch it and you're like, oh, this is a love, love story. I thought it was supposed to be funny. And they're like, that's a romantic comedy. And I go, oh, that's a thing. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, so like growing up and learning about movies that way. But yeah, when Harry Met Sally was like the was like the first one that really resonated, that really hit. Where I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that, I get it now. That's a good one. All right, so I'm gonna go in the earlier ish 2000s for for both my first two picks. Actually, the right. first one that I'm gonna take is one of my favorite rom coms, one of my favorite rewatchable movies. Just one of my favorite movies. Period. Is, is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I absolutely love that movie, man. I could watch that movie over and over again. It's almost perfect in terms of the comedic aspect of it. So many people in that movie are funny, too. Plus, it was cute. I mean, he's at rom-coms, and it was a cute romance story as well. The cast was awesome. 
Loved everything about the movie. That was from 2008. The other one, uh, 2005, because until then, I never really thought all that much of them, even though it's from my favorite TV show ever, but the 40-year-old version. Nice. With Steve Carell, man. Nice. I, again, same thing. I don't really need to explain them too much. We're going to be talking about movies, I think, that everybody has seen. You know, when we do 90s movies, younger people, yeah. like I think there's a lot of people out there who never saw Fargo, who never saw Terminator 2, man, who never saw I, Days and Confused. I, you know, movies like that. People haven't seen those movies. I agree, but there are some, younger ones especially. I think everyone's going to have seen, if not all, at least most of the movies that we're talking about. Well, so I, I really so. don't need to... If I can't sell you on it right away, then I'm not going to be able to. But anyway, 40-year-old <laughs> yeah. virgin is, is definitely my second pick there. Uh, no, that's great. No, those are those that those are excellent picks. Um, this movie was mentioned to me last week uh, by people. Like, man, how do you not pick that one? I was, I was like, listen, it was on my list. And I think it might have been even been, might even been Jill who mentioned it. Um, so you, I think you know where this is going. I'm picking Clueless. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, Jill did say that. Shout out. Clueless is, is an all time movie, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Like that, that's a movie I very easily could have picked last week. Mm-hmm. Very, very easily without without blinking. I would have, I could have picked Clueless and been very happy with that. Who's um, the girl? Alicia, Alicia, uh, Alicia Silverstone. Alicia Silverstone. God, I loved her, man. She, yeah, she was the it girl for like everybody around yeah, yeah, our, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, our neighborhood of age. Like that was, mm-hmm. she was the girl. And uh, yeah, like, but you go back and watch that movie, you get suckered into, in, into the fact that you think it's not a rom-com and it a hundred percent is. Oh, absolutely. Is. It like from beginning to end is a rom-com. Sure, and, but absolutely. like everything in it is so funny and so over the top and so ridiculous that you just don't recognize it for that until it's like, until you see her and Paul Rudd making out at the end, you're like, <laughs> Oh, it's a rom-com. Right. She's been mm-hmm. looking for a boyfriend the whole movie. Of course. Mm-hmm. Like, duh. Of course. Like, course it is so yeah that's a great one uh 10 things i hate about you i freaking love yeah that's a good one too. um that's high a high great high. spin on shakespeare um i mean heath ledger julia styles like that, that's the movie that put heath ledger i think on the map yeah um, dude that movie's so funny man it's so good and just like the, the support cast in it is freaking great like you get joseph gordon levitt in it randomly like he's just i think he's julia styles brother no, he's no Julia no. Styles, her younger sister. He's the guy who was in love. Oh, with that's right, sister. that's right, that's right. So, and then good, like man. the handful of comedians that they had, like in the support roles, like mm-hmm. uh, whoever her dad was. Um, he plays basically the same guy in every movie. Every movie, I, I, know hell, hell. I don't know his name, I know funny. his face. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. that's a great movie, man. Yeah, but then yeah, Heath, I, Heath Ledger comes in the classroom, he goes, What I miss. And then the teacher went on some kind of rant. He goes, oh, and then he gets up and he just walks out of the class. I started <laughs> laughing my ass off. Yeah, but then that's really cool movie. And it's not just a comedy. It is a rom-com. Oh, it's 100% a rom-com. But, but yeah, it's, oh, it's so good. Because uh, uh, I'm trying to think what Shakespeare plays. Um, that's sure. uh, not going to come to me. It's not going to be. <laughs> I, I'm, it's I'm, good I'm, pick, man. Yeah. No, I, right. but I, I had some movie. That's a movie where if I catch it on, I, I might stop and watch it. I'm, I'm going to go. All right, so I got two here. First one is, well, I don't know. When you think rom-com, you think funny and cute. And yeah, I, I look, I, it's my, it's probably my favorite Adam Sandler movie. I think I might've taken it first in one of our drafts before probably uh, the wedding singer. Oh yeah. I love, I love the wedding singer, man. I, I'm, Jesus Christ. Uh, that, that is a typical rom-com right there. Hilarious eighties mm-hmm. music, the soundtrack set in the eighties. I mean, obviously yeah. for, 
many reasons that would be why it's one of my favorite movies. So The Wedding Singer. And then this one I almost picked last week for best 90s movies. It's a commercial success, a popular success. Pretty Woman. I love the chemistry nice. with, with Richard Gere and great. Julia Roberts. Man, Jason Alexander was in that movie. It was funny. It was cute. Kind of even tugged at your heartstrings a little bit here and there. Yeah. Wasn't too serious, but it was like serious enough. So, yeah, man, I feel good about that. Wedding Singer, Pretty Woman. So I've taken four. You've taken three. So these are going to be your last two here. Yeah. Um, hmm. See, because there's some, man, there's so many good picks. There are. There really are. There's really a lot of good picks. To your point, I could have broken this down to 90s rom-coms or 2000s rom-coms. 90s would have been really tough because I think think it's 90s is very top heavy. And then once you, I think once you and I got past like our third picks and it'd be like, oh boy, where are we going to go with this one? Um, Yeah. Man, oh man, there's so many good ones. Jesus. Uh this uh yeah, let's uh you know, listen, I watch it every year. I love it. And it's a it's again, it's a movie where I just stop everything that I'm doing and I'll just watch it to the end. It's Groundhog Day. Okay. That's on my list too, by the way. That's uh, that again, Groundhog Day is a fascinating movie because yeah, it's it's a it's a great comedy. A it's B, a it story. is a, it's it's a great story. B C. It is a rom com. A hundred percent. It's a rom com. Absolutely. Uh, and indeed, the cast is ridiculous. The cast is absolutely insane. And E five level. We're going five deep here. It is an <laughs> unbelievable psychological movie too. Like you can get twisted and turned into getting into deep thoughts about like how like breaking down do. like, how yeah. he does like everything right you're just yeah. kind of like whoa okay how would i do this how would right. i how would i go about handling having the same day happen to me day what in, kind day of out? day would my every day be right my luck it would be a, a terrible day every day right so sure. yeah it's 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 crazy it's <laughs> it's crazy how deep that goes mm-hmm. um and my last pick jesus um hmm you know what I'm a sucker for for memes, as you know. Um, I'm an absolute sucker for memes, so I'm just a guy standing in front of a in front of a camera asking for it oh, to give me a sucker. movie, and it's Notting Hill. Oh, that's a that's a good sleeper pick. Yeah, I, I don't know how that's gonna play with fans. I love it. It's on my list. It's right dead well, smack in the middle, actually. Just, just imagine how I'm going to market it this this poll pat just, just think of how i'm going to do that <laughs> are you going to quote tweet um, it oh 100 uh, are you kidding me like people are gonna be nodding hill what the hell is that it's like i'm just a guy standing in front of the internet asking you to remember this movie and people are like oh my god that's that movie yeah, blah, 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 blah. Kick, you know pick it pick it pick it but but like that's one of like five different ones where i'm like oh, i could go with that one i could go with that one mm, what am I gonna do? so yeah so i'm going with nodding hill confession i have nodding hill on my big board ranked higher i have Notting hill and groundhog day both ranked ahead of pretty woman who i took ahead of wow. both both your so you went off your days. board is what i you're did saying. slightly because pretty women's a, a popular movie as well oh, yeah. um all right so i got one and and like you said man there's several that i could pick from <sighs> this is tough man it's you know, extremely tough I, i'm going to say and we could have done these all post 1990s actually and, and been mm-hmm. fine i'm gonna go with there's something about mary nice i love that movie man ben stiller is so funny it's those cameron not even a big cameron diaz fan but she was awesome in that movie 
there's just so much to like about it. Let me tell you the ones that I didn't take though, because I was sitting there. That's a that's one of the sneaky best Farrelly Brothers movies. Yeah, like, going back and forth, it, I want it holds to, up a little better over time than some of the other ones. It does. I wanted to take How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. That was what, with, now. Uh, what made you go away from that? I just I don't know a coin flip. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a that's coin fair. flip. Um, I, I I really like that movie a lot. Of Two Weeks Notice with Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock. I like that okay. a lot. Um, Knocked Up was another one that I liked okay. a lot. And then uh, going back to the 80s with Patrick Dempsey, Can't Buy Me Love. That that was oh, one. Yeah. But I picked that in the best 80s movies or something a long time ago mm-hmm. and got fucking killed for it. Um, that's about mm-hmm. it. The Princess Bride was something that I had on paper for consideration yeah. too. And uh, Sweet Home Alabama with Reese Witherspoon. Although I don't, I God, I hate that song. <laughs> but I actually loved that movie. It was really cute. And again, rom-coms are supposed to call cute to be a word that you would describe to uh, any of the movies that we pick. Yeah. If you don't have the word cute in it, then it's probably not a rom-com. Yeah. Let me, the other ones, the, one, the some of the ones I got, I almost took Moonstruck with the last pick. Moonstruck was there. Uh, I, I mentioned Sleepless in Seattle for some poll that we did not that long ago. And yeah. people were just like, what the hell are you picking that one for? So I was like, I ain't picking it again. Forget it. Even though it completely qualifies. It does. 100% a rom-com movie. Borderline on the comedy, though. I don't think yeah. that funny. Well, Definitely romantic. One, see, now one that I was going to pick, but I was like, mm, not sure about that was Coming to America. Because to me, the, the first... 75% of that movie is comedy and the last 25% is rom-com. Yeah. Even though the even though the premise is he's going to America to find a bride. Find a wife. Right. Um but like you don't get the payoff like the ro- the rom-com payoff on that until the end. You know, you know after, you know, he, he gets Eric LaSalle all screwed up and you know they they go to the game and all, you know, everything is everything's awkward and you're just kind of like, all mm-hmm. right, I get it. But yeah. But I was like, I was like, ah, coming to America, I was like, mm, people are gonna be like, that's a comedy, not a rom com. And I'll be, I didn't want to get in that argument on the internet, so, so I left it alone. <laughs> that's a good one. No, I think that would have been a good pick. One other one too that I forgot: uh, Jennifer Lopez and Matthew McConaughey, The Wedding Planner. I like that movie a lot okay. as well. All right, so let me recap there, and then we'll get out. So Joe takes When Harry Met Sally, Clueless, Ten Things I Hate About You, Groundhog Day, and Notting Hill. I take. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. I don't know how that one's going to play. The Wedding Singer, Pretty Woman, and There's Something About Mary. All right, last week I predicted you were going to have 77%, and it ended up being a really close uh, poll. This week I'm going to predict this is going to be a close one. Yeah, I, 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 think, so. I, I think so too. I, I do. I don't think one one team dominates another, Not at least not on paper, at least not to me anyway. Yeah, I, th- I think this is one where I, th- I think the comedy level on yours, like there are more outwardly very funny movies. Yeah. Like, you know, I would say like there's something about Mary's very outwardly funny. Um, True. Yeah. 40 uh, year old version is very, very forwardly funny. Um, whereas mine, I don't know. Mine, well, Notting Hill's very much a rock. You have better stories. Notting Hill's a good story. Uh, yeah. When Harry met Sally, he's a better story. So you, to your point, mine are yeah. more heavier on the comedy side, where yours are a little more of a mix of romance and comedy. But mine are enough to qualify. That's all I give a shit about. Yeah. Hey, listen, <laughs> hey, they all qualify, so that's all that matters. And, yeah. yeah, let's hope there's no one movie voters out there. Next week on the podcast, we'll talk some Bill's training camp because training camp will be underway. And mm-hmm. when it comes to the Sabres, I didn't get to it this week, 
I want to talk about it next week. Pat Kane. A lot of shit going on with Pat Kane. The Sabres are not trading for him right now. We don't need to get into that today. But no. I want to hear your thoughts on Pat Kane beyond this year. But we're going to save that for next week. Anyway, make sure you check Joe and Lance out. Main and podcast every Monday. Thanks, buddy. Good as always, man. Yeah, always fun. And hopefully I won't be as sweaty next week. <laughs>